Good morning. We've gathered to worship this morning, and, and we're going to do something a little different. It's celebration after all. You didn't expect anything different than being different. Uh, our call to worship will be a musical piece with handbells. It'll give you an opportunity to kind of, in the silence of your heart and listening heart and mind, to set your um, mind on Christ and the gospel and this Lent preparation. So musical piece. Nella and Jane. That's One of the things I've always appreciated about handbells, and I may say this too often, but is not only the music, but the motion uh, and how it pulls those things together and how good it is to let our worship be motivated by gratitude to recognize that whether the circumstances of our moment are good or difficult, that we can meet and walk with God and live out of a sense of gratitude because of his greatness and goodness. So if you're uh, able, please stand with us. Hymn number 553, How Great Thou Art. Let's sing to the glory of God. 
Amen and amen. Have a seat if you would. Well, good. It's a joy to welcome you on a beautiful blue sky day in Michigan. Those of you who've gathered here on site that we can join hearts and voices together in this space and time, but also across our live stream and recorded versions. We thank you for the chance to let us join you by that technology in your time, in your space, in your situation. Thankful that the Holy Spirit can take what he's doing here and share that uh, in a variety of times and places. I'm always fascinated by some of the feedback and stories I hear of uh, our ability to extend hope in the gospel in that way. Um, After our service this morning, again, just kind of lead us through the uh, day coffee and fellowship, a time together uh, after the service, and then about 10.30 in classroom number one in the basement, I'll have my usual follow-up, a kind of Q&A opportunity. Uh, People will ask questions and interact in a little more discursive sort of way that works well in that setting. Um, I've been pointing to the bulletin. There's a lot of things in here in the bulletin that I won't get to in the service, particularly our congregational care and prayer needs. Uh, We keep those uh, typically off the live stream and want to make sure that people are still aware. Uh, So make sure you've got a bulletin coming up. I'll guide us through the Holy Week because we'll do some things different. There's our Palm Sunday service. Uh, We'll gather here to worship, and this service will include communion. So that will be a key thing next week as we start that first seven-day countdown, Thursday night in the great room at 7 p.m., a service where we use the candles to kind of um, communicate moving from light to darkness, almost like a tenebrae liturgy, and that too will include communion. So we will have this um, second opportunity. And then Easter Sunday, uh, again, we have instrumentation, we gather and sing together. Uh, That will include communion. You may get the impression that we'll have communion at all three services next week, bringing together the word preached, God worship, but also the sacrament uh, that brings us together in that way. So we encourage you to just kind of cultivate your heart to connect the word and the table in that way. Um, it's often a time for a holiday guest, and I always laugh that um, we would have my grandparents down from New York to our home in Charlotte growing up, and mom would always have this little conversation with the four kids before grandma and grandpa got there. So she kind of set the baseline. You will chew with your mouth closed. You will say, yes, sir, no, sir and kind of set that. And so, of course, I would never set the baseline for you, but these next services will be great opportunity for you to take a moment and to welcome folks that you may not have met before, haven't seen for a long time. So I encourage you to welcome well. And then remember, if you've seen in the back, we've um, now got these marvelous uh, offering boxes. They're labeled. That's how we're handling the offering uh, that people bring to the service rather than pass the plate. But it also means, and I've gone through this with you before in several things, but I'll just reiterate. It means for guests who arrive, we don't have to talk about finances per se and can make the gospel uh, very much at the front and uh, that. Now, we all know that there are finances involved in life, and I thank you for your support. And actually, I've got a, a, 
encouraging, thankful word. Our council met Monday, and we're very thankful for how the new year has started, the support we've had from folks. And so uh, that's always got to be watched carefully. Any of you who do grocery shopping know how things are up and down out there. But by and large, when we look at the numbers, we are thankful for what God is doing in your lives and your faithfulness with us as a ministry. So I want to say that, but all of these services next week will go forward trusting God's people to support so that we can welcome guests well. Some other guests will be welcoming tonight at 6.30. It's been a while since we've done this, but the Rehoboth Christian Schools in um that we have supported across the years through the CRC. The high school choir will be visiting here um, and doing a performance at 6.30. I encourage you to be a part of that. If you want something that is nothing but wild and craziness, Wednesday night, come to our final community dinner, but then we'll ambulate over to the anchor and there have an opportunity to see our gems and cadets in competition. High-speed Pinewood Derby, but a lot of fun and a great way for us to say, Let's celebrate together. Um, we're doing some support through our Kids Hope Ministry of our schools. And uh, this is in your uh, bulletin. You can pick up details there, but very glad to do that. Remember, if you will, the vision, as we stated, what we believe God has called Heart Awake to do, and that's to invite everyone to join the journey. I'll talk about that later as well. But join the journey of being found in, formed by, and following Jesus Christ. That's what God has called us to do and to be. Um, there's always a place for you in a part of, in, in that as well. Our confession of faith this morning is Heidelberg Catechism, question number 43. Again, it's focus for the cross as part of our preparation, the journey of Lent to Easter. The first question is this. What further benefit do we receive for Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? By Christ's power, our old selves are crucified, put to death, and buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us, but that instead we may offer ourselves as a sacrifice of gratitude to him. Let's take a time at this point. I'm right. We want to prepare for our prayer time with another handbell piece.
Let us turn to the Father and pray. Father, when we survey that wondrous cross, we are first startled by its keen brutality. And yet we begin to realize that Jesus was not sent against his will to the cross, but as God the Son who loved his broken creation, he went to the cross of his own volition, motivated by love, to open up the doors of your grace that we might have life and life more abundant. Thank you for the invitation of the cross that says the high price of our brokenness has been paid. Our life is not free, but it has been paid for by another. Strike us with awe and wonder at that truth. Work it deep down into our hearts and minds. Father, we stay near to the cross to remember what we might once have been to look with hope to what your work will complete in us and to marvel at a God who says, yes, sovereign, but also merciful. So we thank you for the way you've made yourself known, Lord God, at the cross. Continue to work that deep into the life of Heart of Wyke Ministries. We pray very specifically for Heart of Wyke, this umbrella. We thank you for the way you extend the gospel through our lives and through our ministry. We pray you'd be with uh, Watershed as they gather to worship in the Anchor Building and Corey Plockmeyer, the uh, executive director of Movement West Michigan, preaching there today. For Pastor JB, who'll be preaching across the hallway in Fusion, thank you for the way you've enabled Hardaway to kind of express the diversity of your kingdom in a small way and yet the unity around the gospel. We pray for Pastor Florencio. We thank you for the life we share with the Mission congregation. Bless them as they gather right here in this place in just a few um, hours. Father, you've called us as a part of celebration, an expression, a worshiping community. Be with us this day and bind us together. I pray you'd prepare us for this upcoming Holy Week, the special services, the opportunities to welcome people, the constant uh, opportunity to, to come by way of your word to the table of your grace. I'm going to encourage you in a, a quiet moment to pray for those of celebration that uh, you may know who have needs, in their travel, perhaps sickness, uh, grief, any number of things. But just a prayer that you brought this morning, bring it to the Lord right now. We'll do that together in silence before the Lord. Father, we thank you that you've called us to pray for one another, and I ask now that you would take those prayers and begin to incarnate them through uh, acts of service and kindness. Uh, lead us this week in ways to encourage those that we have prayed for. 
We continue to pray, Father, for those who serve through positions of authority. We do that each week. This week in our rotation, we pray for local government and for agencies, for administrative boards and departments. Uh, we recognize Holland City and pray for Park and Holland Townships. Indeed, the next circle out for Ottawa County. We pray for uh, various commissioners and administrators, for employees of these agencies of government. We ask, Father, that in each you would um, make them instruments of your shalom. Even uh, where they may be distant from you, thank you that they live uh, in a place under your common grace. We ask that you would guide them to the benefit of your kingdom and your people. Father, we pray for clarity and for guidance. Uh, help us to live out the relationship of grace on a local level in this way. We pray too for school boards, uh, uh, our public schools, our Christian schools, the private and uh, charter schools, various arrangements for uh, educating, for uh, socializing and strengthening young people. We pray you'd guide those in key decision-making spots. And we pray that each life would be cherished as an image bearer of you and cultivated, encouraged, cared for to bear fruit. Father, we thank you that you've called us as well to be a part of your great mission work. So in our rotation there, we pray for a Heart of Wike supported ministry, Mika's Lunch. Though based here in Holland, this ministry feeds school children in the Dominican Republic as a way to uh, help parents in desperate situations keep their kids fed and in school. And so in this way, Father, out of gratitude to your grace for us, we get to invest in the future uh, through these lives in Dominican Republic. We pray too in this season of Ramadan for our Muslim neighbors as they set aside a month of religious observance, we pray that you would meet them in the midst of that and that they would uh, be drawn, whether by dream, as has happened so often this past decade, or through your Holy Spirit connecting a message or through the uh, invitation or words of a neighbor, we pray that you would help them come to know Jesus the crucified Savior and risen Rescuer. We pray that even as they seek spiritual uh, growth, they might meet a spiritual Savior. Father, we pray that you would enable us to be faithful through the course of this upcoming week. There will be people we meet, decisions we make, words we say, actions we take. We pray even now that you would be leading and guiding and, and equipping us in those. Continue to encourage and build a life of prayer. Hear us as we pray together with one voice as Jesus has made known to us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to make an executive decision here. And uh, any kids that need to be a part of the children's ministry, the age graded classes downstairs, if you'd head out to the back, I think there'll be an adult there to um, escort and make things known. Apart from that, we will just uh, press on. So, Cynthia, this is a change. <laughs> and we're doing well. I want to get to the scripture reading. Um, We've been working on a kind of a mini-series. The story is the larger portion that we are doing. Um, it's an edited version of the New International. And for these past three weeks prior and now today, we've been looking at the Gospels and calling that this changes everything. Everything that had been prepared in the Old Testament now comes to fruition. What was hoped for is now born in the person of Jesus Christ. So we're looking at this series, This Changes Everything. In the story, if you're reading along with that, this week would have been chapter 25, and we read portions of all four gospels to see a particular expression of the ministry and life of Jesus. What we've chosen to do at Hardwike in this time is we're looking at one gospel at a time, and this week we're on the fourth of the gospels. Um, the Gospel of John. So let me give you a bit of background and overview. I've been doing that with each of these. It seemed like a good and appropriate time to do that. You'll find some outline with the sermon. I'm just putting it before we read John so you can then uh, listen with that in mind. Some background for John. You will remember when we went through Mark that John is the youngest of the disciples he and his brother were both disciples. I called them that day the Alpha Bros. Do you remember James and John were the two who said, Lord, when you come into the good times, put us at the very center of that with you. Let us sit on your right and left. Jesus said, you don't even know what you're asking. Isn't it good news that Jesus loves clueless people? That we can miss it completely. And our relationship with him isn't up for grabs because his grace holds us. So John would have been the youngest. He would have been uh, one of the alpha bros. His dad was an independent businessman. He was, and his brother were ready to inherit the fishing company and be a part of that. As it turns out, his older brother James will be the first of the disciples martyred. We read about that in Acts 12. So he lost his brother early on. And it turns out that as best we can tell, he was the last of the disciples to die. He apparently lived to a ripe old age and had uh, the revelation. We record, it's recorded there in the book, Revelation. That's him. So the two brothers, the first and the last. And John has a particular flavor as a gospel if you'll read it. It's, it's a memoir. Luke, you remember, was eyewitness accounts to form an orderly story of Jesus and to confirm. Matthew, as growing up as a, a Jew, wanted to see Jesus as the fulfillment of prophecy. Different perspectives on the one true incarnation that helped round out and give this, that to us. This is a memoir. Um, it's kind of his memories and impact of Jesus on his life and for the life of others. 
And if you read thoughtfully through the Gospel of John, and I encourage folks to do this. Sometimes we're so busy reading kind of verse by verse by verse, you miss a bigger picture. And it's real easy to read about one chapter of John a day, and when you get to the end, to go back to the beginning and read one chapter of John a day, and and you'll get some flavor. There's two key words that we'll highlight, and you'll see how it works out in my sermon. The first is this, believe. And I'm just going to get in the weeds for a few minutes here, but then I end with a picture, so follow me. The Greek word here for believe is pistuo. It's used 241 times in the New Testament, 132 times in the four Gospels. And among the four Gospels, it's used 11 times in Matthew, 14 times in Mark, 9 times in Luke, and 98 times in John. That's a graph of the number of times the verb pistuo is used in the New Testament. And you look at that one bar graph and you say, whoa, that guy used that word a whole lot. So that lets you know as you read John, this was a key thing for him. Second key word is life. And again, I'll go through that in the weeds just so you know. I mean... Just so you know, I went to seminary, right? (laughs) This is the Greek word zoe. You often hear of a child named zoe. That's life used in the New Testament 135 times, in the four Gospels 52 times, in Matthew 7, Mark 4, Luke 5, and John 36. You see how... John focuses in a unique and special way on this word. It's very important to him. And as you look at the graph, again, you don't need to know details, but it'd be natural to ask that one all the way to the right. That's the second highest one. That's the book of Revelation. That's John as well. And the next one, it's actually two over. That's pretty high. That's 1 John. So, in John's life, believe the verb and life, a noun, are critically important words. We'll build into that. And I want to take a moment as well and kind of focus on this idea of inspiration as we think about um, reading the Scripture and the Gospels. Our faith as believers in Christ is that God has in a marvelous way inspired the 66 books of the Bible, Hebrew Bible, New Testament, these things together. Now that does not mean that we think he dropped from heaven into earth, a prescribed thing that cannot be changed. You see, we have a belief that God moves in the imminent but he also moves from the transcendent. Now, for a long time in my college career in early seminary, I look back and I realize I was trained in a way that looked at the Bible as if it were just imminent. There were the perspectives of the writers, there was a transmission of the text, there was this and the that, but it's purely imminent. What 
Christians have believed for centuries is that there are imminent aspects. That's why I've told you that Matthew has a Jewish flavor. John is a memoir. That's God working through the imminent. But we also believe that God from outside our physical, psychological world moves. And that's the entrance of the transcendent. Oops. <laughs> so in both of these, and let me just read to you. You'll find excerpts of this in the sermon outline, but I'll just read this to you so that you get a sense of the historical aspect. Um, I'm often quick to say that I don't have a lot of new ideas. I express them in new ways and I apply them to new situations. But I live with an eternal, unchanging, transcendent truth. This is from the Belgic Confession. Article 2 is titled, The Means by Which We Know God. It's interesting to me, these Reformation confessions, they're very systematic. You can read through just the titles and see a full theology. The means by which we know God. We know God by two means. First, by the creation. You can see that out the window today. Preservation and government of the universe, since that universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book read it. Second, God makes himself known to us more clearly by his holy and divine word. As much as we need in this life for God's glory and our salvation. So we can see that first book, but we need the more clear perspective of the written word. And it's clear in the Belgic Confession that when they say word of God, they are speaking about the 66 books of the Bible. Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. The Bible is the word of God inspired and revealed. So here's article three, the written word of God. We confess that this word of God was not sent nor delivered by human will, but that men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. That's a scriptural reference. Here's article seven the sufficiency of Scripture. We believe that this Holy Scripture contains the will of God completely and that every one of us must believe to be, and that every one of us must believe to be saved is sufficiently taught in it. So to understand what it is required, what is offered in salvation, the Scripture is the place to go. Article 5 is about the authority of Scripture and it says, I'll summarize, that we receive these books as regulating, founding, and establishing our faith, not so much because the church has always believed them, but above all because of the Holy Spirit. He testifies in our hearts that they are from God and also because they prove themselves to be from God. So it is that the inspiration of the Bible is not so much an imminent thing in the text as it is the Spirit of God acting and moving in these texts. So with that in mind, I'd like to read our text for this morning, John chapter 20, beginning at verse 24. And I want to borrow something from Pastor JB in Fusion and ask that as you're able, let's stand out of appreciation, recognition of this inspiration, and hear the Word of God. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. 
So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Believe in John, keyword. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Then Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me and you have believed, blessed are those, I think he's speaking to us, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, John gives us the purpose of his gospel. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Skip forward another chapter. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have a seat and let's pray. Father, we thank you that though we live in a world marked by physics and sociology and psychology and economics, that all of this imminence is encased by transcendent reality, spiritual truth, spiritual reality. We thank you that the message of the gospel is that a transcendent God has laid aside his glory to enter into our imminent brokenness. And at the cross, Jesus opened a way and rescued and offers to all the hope of that new life. Thank you that John saw this, he experienced it, he heard the whack of the nails, he saw the empty tomb. And as he reflected on it as a memoir across decades, and then carefully wrote that you were there with him, Holy Spirit, to guide him in that. Thank you for the fascinating way you've preserved the text, our study of archeology. span And so that now, in the same way, we can unroll the scroll as it were, translate, study, meditate, pray. But again, we need you, Holy Spirit. Illumine our hearts and our minds. Guard your people from my brokenness, but in this moment, in a way that depends entirely on you, make yourself known. Fill us with great hope this day. For we pray in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. And all of God's people said together, amen. If you read through the book of John as a whole, you'll be struck. And I read it in our text that John very clearly gives us a purpose statement. It's found here in John 20, 31, and it's about growing 
That is to say, growing and bearing fruit from what you believe. That's what life is. So there's this very clear purpose statement. These are written that you may believe, he says in John 20, verse 30, and believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, it's interesting to me. Jesus says, believe. I'm sorry, John says, believe. Notice as an exercise of the mind, what he does not say. He does not say, these things are written so that you behave. Belief is where it starts. He doesn't say, these things are written so that you can know. He starts with belief. These things are written so you can feel. (laughs) John's not a 21st century person. These things are written so that you can be bored. I was a kid in Sunday school. These things are written for whatever you choose to use or do or make of them. None of those in the mind of the author are options. These things are written so that you might believe, and this belief has a specific content and object of faith. We have not been called to believe whatever we want to manifest. We have been called to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Miss or change that object of faith, substitute something else for it, and you will have changed the belief. This is written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that this unique, historical, specific figure, a person, by the way, that the author of this book knew and spent time with, The author of this book had had dinner with him. It's interesting. For all the things he might have said, what he says is these things are given that you might believe and that by believing you might have life in his name. Now let me clear something up for you. And it's about this life. When Jesus says in verse 31 that you may have life, John does not mean life. Instead, he means life. All right, Pastor Bill missed too much sleep this week. John doesn't mean life in one perspective. He means life in a different manner. And that's what I want to dig into. First of all, John does not mean life. In the Greek language, the writers of the New Testament had three different Greek words they could have used that we translate in English by the word life. So he doesn't mean two of them. One of those is this word bios. That's what it is in the Greek. Now, you're a smarter than average crew. When I say bios is life, what does that bring to mind? Biology. There's an aspect of life that is biological. You need to have a heart muscle. It needs to pump. That's bios. But that's not what fills John's hope and excitement. There's another word that often gets translated as life. 
And it's hard to transliterate, suke or psyche in the Greek. And this would be kind of the, maybe the soul or perhaps the, the non-physical self. When you have an inner dialogue, who are you talking to? Your suke. And that's a life. You want your inner thoughts to be encouraging, balanced, helpful, true. Have you ever sensed an orphan voice, I like to call it? That's what mine was like. You don't belong. You're not good enough. You never measure up. That's life in the psyche, the suke. Again, bios and suke are imminent. But John, throughout his gospel, uses a different word. So instead, he doesn't mean life, he means life. And this life is used, the Greek word, zoe. I've prepared a listing of these for you. You can find them in the celebration in form. I, there's a link and you can look at all 36 verses where this word life is used. The words of life, life. Friends, we were created for something more than bios and suke. You want to have those things healthy and well. But when Jesus came with the gospel, he came with more than just bios, more than just suke. Friends, there's a way of thinking about Christian faith that says Jesus came to give you more bios. That's what the prosperity theology is all about. You know the books. Jesus becomes a way to get more bios. Sometimes we're all often thinking about bringing balance to our inner life. You can find an approach to church life that's built on more suke. I was also trained as a counselor. That's key to seminary in this day and time. Now, that's been a helpful skill. But I want to tell you what John is talking about is not only bios, not only tsuke, but a new thing, completely different, Zoe. Life and life more abundant. And I want to tell you something, friends. You and I, every person on the globe, part of that image of God, the imago dei that marks every human being, we were created for Zoe life. We were created for more than bios or tsuke. Those are good. We need them. But there is more. And that's what John wants us to know. Sin broke that zoe life. And as a result, we can only pass along our brokenness. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, though, for you and for me and for all humanity, he now offers us zoe the message of the gospel is more than bios, more than tsuke. It's zoe that's bigger and beyond both. The life that John points to that's offered to us in Jesus includes zoe, and that's now offered to us in Jesus by grace as we respond in faith. That is why John wrote this book. Now, Think about our world. It is possible to maintain a beating heart for several decades without God. You can live a life as if there is no Zoe, even though 
You were created for more. You can, if you've got enough money and enough pleasant circumstances, you can have a pretty happy suke without God. But the gospel is this. You can have all that and still be missing out on Zoe. We were created for Zoe. Jesus has now given his life so that we can receive by his grace through faith that kind of life. Friends, we were made for this. We were made to believe. And again, I'll skip it, but the word believe here is aorist tense. It has continuing force. Belief is not an event like a profession of faith. It's a journey that will have many events, a profession of faith, a rekindling of heart, a daily meeting with the Lord for a life that's being transformed. But we're called to keep on going. Friends, this is what we were created for, to live by grace and to flourish, to bear fruit for God's glory and for the benefit of others. We were meant to receive that Zoe and then to produce a culture of shalom, wholeness for all, marked by justice, marked by generosity, marked by reconciliation. We live in a world dividing people from one another, setting people up for conflict, looking for victory. The gospel comes in from the outside and says no, because of who Jesus is and what he did, I'm offering, that's what grace is, a new life entirely. Respond by faith, believe. And you will have this Zoe. Without Zoe life, we're like fish who are living in a pasture. You'll start to stink. We're like sheep in the middle of the ocean. Doesn't end well. We were made for more than bios and suke. Let me share with you something that has come to mind. You're privileged to have such a pastor as me. Many of you have seen my Honda Civic. It's a fairly distinctive car, all that Rust-Oleum. But I figured out how to run that car with no gasoline. I've got the answer for the world, a four-cylinder motor that never takes gasoline. It's easy. I just push it up to the highest hill I can find and I roll down, and I can get anywhere I want to get as long as it's close enough to roll there. You see, friends, my, even my little Honda was made for more than being pushed up a hill and rolling down. Delivering a tank of gasoline to my Honda would be a wonderful thing for me and for the car. Our world lives like my broken little Honda without gasoline. We live with bios and suke, and the gospel offers Zoe. I want to invite you to more. If this idea of Zoe and life more abundant seems beyond anything you've ever known, good news. Please don't feel shamed or I, you've got to be different or experience different or do this or do that. Hear the invitation. 
because I want to close by moving through some things. I want to remind you that this is a journey of discovery. One of the things I love about this stage of my life is God has been at work in this broken sinner for 50 years to prepare me for now. Wow. It's a journey of discovery. New every morning are his mercies. Great is thy faithfulness. And don't settle for less. Don't let life make you a Honda that's got to be pushed and can only roll. Prayerfully, meditatively receive the word of God from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 4. In him, that is Jesus, was Zoe. And that Zoe was the light of all mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's Jesus, the incarnate, God the Son. That whoever believes there's the word, in him shall not perish, but have eternal Zoe. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life, Zoe. In a challenge with the um, Pharisees, Jesus would say to them, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have Zoe. See, even a collection of Bible verses doesn't deliver. Those verses point to someone greater. Do not work for food that spoils. I'm picturing my refrigerator in a power outage. But instead, work for food that endures to eternal Zoe, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus says, I am the bread of Zoe. When we come to the table next week, the world and we will see bread in terms of bios and suke. But there is a zoe component to that table. Jesus would say, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you might have zoe and zoe to the full. Speaking to the sisters at the death of Lazarus, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the Zoe. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Anyone who loves their Tsuke will lose it, while anyone who hates their Tsuke in this world will keep it for eternal Zoe. There will be moments that to live in Zoe will challenge the security of our bios or suke. But Zoe is eternal. Jesus answered, I myself, ego a me in the Greek, I am the way and the truth and the Zoe. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now this is eternal Zoe that you know that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is what Zoe is. 
Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you've loved us in deep and powerful ways. Help us to lift our eyes, as it were, from the challenge of our surroundings, as confused and hard-pressed as they are in this moment, to be thankful for bios, to seek uh, fruitful and stable psyche, but to hear a call that there's something more, there's a transcendent Zoe that would energize and change the context for everything else in our life. We recognize that that's not ours to demand or to earn, but it's your gift that we might receive by faith. Father, I pray in this moment that wherever any person is on that journey, that by your grace, you would call them to the next step. There's a hundred people that hear my voice that may be a hundred different steps. The Lord God is so creative and personal and loving that he doesn't put any of us in a cookie cutter, but he calls us each uniquely, individually, separately, distinctly to bear the fruit of the Spirit, to live in light of his intentions and creations for ourselves. So Father, I pray in this moment, next step, whatever that might be. Thank you for your grace and goodness. Fill us with great hope. Prepare us for an extraordinary Easter. Keep us um, at peace and secure in a just really challenging world. We give you thanks and we sing now to your glory. And all of God's people prayed together saying, amen, amen. Friends, hymn number 831, Alleluia, sing to Jesus. Remember, he indeed is the object of the faith that we hold and that brings to life.
just a brief word. We just sang the hymn tune called Heiferdahl. And that has a special place in my heart because of the study I've done in terms of history of spiritual awakenings. About 120 years ago in the country of Wales, it became the center point of an awakening, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it began to move all across the world. But to go back and to read of this move of God that rescued the Welsh, they would gather and sing without instruments. Nearly every song could be sung to that hymn tune. I've done it. And you read stories of them singing hymn after hymn after hymn, never changing the tune, just moving to different words in the prayer book. So it's always had a part in me. Do you know in that moment, the revival of Wales, that the police force ended up with so little to do that they formed singing quartets and went around to church meetings on Tuesday and Wednesday. Coal production in Wales declined because the ponies that were used to getting particular instruction in a particular kind of language from the Welsh, Jesus came into their heart and they stopped using those four-letter words and the ponies were confused. Every time I sing to Heiferdahl, Lord, move by your grace. And now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, both now and forevermore. Amen? And amen. Amen.